The Diaries November 15th, 2020. A lighthouse in the storm. The studio was on the third floor of a six-story, hundred-year-old factory loft building in the Queen Street West neighborhood where I lived in downtown Toronto. I learned that my great-grandfather worked in a little picture-frame factory in that very same building when he and my great-grandmother were first married. They had just emigrated here from the Ukraine in the hopes of finding a better life. Baba and Dita lived in a modest little house around the corner from his work. I had no idea about this until years later, but it makes my memory of the place all that much more special, even mystical, like something greater than myself had pulled me there. The studio floors were original hardwood. The ceilings were high and the authentic wood beams and posts gave a warm, rustic feel to the space. Natural light poured in through the large loft windows during the day, and at night they revealed a magical twinkling cityscape. The place I am reminiscing about so affectionately is my very first hot yoga studio, Moksha Yoga Downtown, now known as Moto Yoga. To me, it was not just an exercise studio or even a space where teachers and students gathered to share the ancient practice of yoga. It was a sacred place where I found myself, where, for the first time, I felt what I now know to be spirituality, and where I first encountered that vast, gracious inner realm that is the seat of the soul and the true self. It has been almost 15 years since that first awakening, and from then on, the practice of hot yoga has been the lighthouse in my world. It centers me, challenges me, soothes me, and brings me joy. It heals, strengthens, detoxes, and balances my body. It reminds me what really matters and leads me back to my soul. No matter where I am in the world, it makes me feel at home in myself. No matter what is happening in life, it makes me feel better. And at this time of the pandemic, the one thing that calms and grounds me the most is gone. I have been practicing yoga in my home, at first regularly and then more sporadically, but let's face it, it's just not the same. There is something about the hot room with the warmth, the low lights and the candles. Something about sharing the practice with other kindred souls something about breathing together that is healing, deepening, uplifting, and just so sacred. I also miss teaching. I knew very early on in my yoga journey that I wanted to become a teacher myself one day, not only to explore and deepen my knowledge of the seven branches of yoga, which are fascinating, and to cultivate and expand my practice of the asanas, the poses, but most of all, to give others the precious gifts of yoga, meditation, and inner connection that I myself have been given by so many extraordinary, soulful, devoted, and talented teachers of this ancient art. So in October 2018, 
my friend Carla and I attended a 30-day intensive teacher training in Montreal, Canada through Moto Yoga International, which in my opinion is one of the Western world's utmost authentic organizations founded by the brilliant, dedicated, and heart-centered Jessica Robertson and Ted Grand. We rented a little walk-up townhouse with a bright blue door in the charming Plateau Mont-Royal neighborhood, with its cobblestone streets, quaint shops, buzzing restaurants, local fresh markets, French cafes, and European delis, such as the famous Schwartz's, which we couldn't step foot near, by the way, until the very last day, as we had sworn a month-long oath of vegetarianism. October was a glorious month to be in Montreal. Our studio was located on the second floor of a two-story building on Saint-Laurent Boulevard. The Plateau Arrondissement, which means neighborhood, sits at the base of Mont-Royal, where the city gets its name, so that through the large studio windows, we had a clear, striking view of the mountain, amassed in colorful fall leaves, to delight and uplift us as we practiced. Our day would begin at 5.30 a.m. when we awoke, dressed, and then walked the eight blocks in the dark to the studio, in silence, another vow we had committed to, to begin our 6.30 a.m. meditation, followed by a 90-minute hot yoga class. By the time we opened our eyes to begin the asanas, the sun would be rising to welcome the day in a celebration of peach and golden yellow and reveal the silhouettes of the neighborhood rooftops crowned by the steeples of a grand church nearby. I'll never forget that vista. Later, after countless hours of in-class study, comprised of the history and philosophy of yoga and Hinduism, yoga psychology, anatomy, the art of teaching, and more, and two more 90-minute yoga practices, mentally and physically exhausted, we would walk the eight blocks back home once again in the dark to prepare for the next day. And then we would settle in our rooms and our beds to fall fast into deep sleep in the manner of small children worn from a day of play. Overall, it was one of the most challenging, intense, and tiring experiences of my life, and also one of the most sacred, deepening, and expansive. When we returned home after 30 days, We then began our subsequent 11 months of studying, projects, teaching, exams, and assessments to finally, in October 2019, be awarded our 500-hour Advanced Yoga Teacher Training Certification. Since then, and until the pandemic hit, I have reveled in teaching in the hot room, cultivating my own unique style, and finally giving back to others the sacred gift that had been bestowed upon me for so many years. As I sit here in reflection, it is mid-November in this most surreal time of the pandemic. Now all the trees are bare, and the day is gray and wet, just as it was that day in April when I wrote my first entry in this journal. How the time has passed in strange waves, going on seven months now. As I gaze out the window from my writing desk, 
the gusting wind is whisking up the fallen leaves from their neatly formed piles and swirling them up magically in the air. If this were a film, it would be foretelling about the coming of some great mystery, adventure, or supernatural force, such as in the beloved childhood film Mary Poppins. One day a couple of weeks ago, as the cold weather began to set in, I experienced my first real sense of panic, like claustrophobia, at the idea of being holed up indoors in the winter of a pandemic. I live alone, which I realize to my sister and friends, some of whom are enduring quarantine with a partner and or small children, sounds like some kind of single girl utopia. But living alone, like anything else, comes with its own challenges. As I stood there that day in the middle of the apartment, looking around and thinking about the upcoming months and entering the depths of cold month quarantine, here, alone, I could almost see and feel the walls of the rooms closing in on me. What on earth am I going to do, I thought, without the ability to go out and connect with people, hug my family and friends at holiday gatherings, see films, visit galleries and bookstores, go to restaurants, take trips. And what am I going to do without the ability to do the one thing that has always been my saving grace for healing, centeredness, well-being, and sanity, namely my hot yoga practice? And then I thought, no, I can do this. What I know to be true is that our external reality is a direct reflection of our internal reality. In other words, the way we think about something is how we experience it, and we always have the choice and the power to consciously determine that for ourselves, no matter how difficult the conditions. So as it is my practice to do, I willfully turned my thoughts from dread to gratitude. I thought about how blessed I am to be alive and well in this moment, to have a safe and comfortable home to live in, to have family and friends whom I love and who love me, even though we cannot hold and hug each other right now, to have a deep knowing of my heartfelt purpose in this world, and to have a knowing of my inner power to dream, intend, transcend and transform my life. So I vowed there and then to make this the healthiest and most meaningful fall and winter that I possibly can, to pray for peace for those who are suffering, to continue to find new ways to connect with the people I love, to make my loving self-care a passion project, to deepen in my yoga and meditation practice right here in this room, to read new books, watch new films, and try new hobbies, to find new opportunities to give and be of service, to bundle up, get outside, and connect with nature each and every day, and to make a little adventure each week, even if it's just to take a Saturday country drive to a small yet unexplored nearby town and shop the local market. Because what I also know is this, 
The pandemic and all other experiences of adversity, both collective and personal, invite and implore us to realize that we are stronger, more adaptive, more creative, and more resilient than we may have ever known before. In this moment, as I sit here writing, the storm is rising outside. The dark is gathering and the rain is teeming down, pelting hard and symphonic against the window pane. But as always, there is stillness, hope, and light in my heart. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm Jen, and this is a special one because it is the final episode of season one, The Quarantine Diaries. Don't worry, we're not going to skip a beat. Season two, The Midsummer Diaries, will begin next week. But I want to commemorate season one and bring it to a close in a thoughtful and venerable way. And part of that will be my not one, but two very special guests today. We'll come to that a little later. First, to celebrate the finale of The Quarantine Diaries, in this episode, we'll reflect on the importance and power of completing cycles of action, how to honor and savor the summer season, and the beautiful resilience of the human spirit. So let's begin there. Adversity is real, and it can be painful without question. So I always share this tenderly and wholeheartedly. If we behold our challenge from an aerial perspective, from a spiritual orientation, we can step into the understanding that adversity is also an opportunity for the soul's awakening, almost more so than anything else. And in that way, challenge is an extraordinary blessing because it draws us into the precious present moment, out of our slumber. And then if we can be aware enough and open to the knowing that all of life is happening for us, not to us, then we can go inward through the stillness and ask ourselves these questions. How can I heal, learn, and grow from this experience? How can I come back into alignment with my true self? What are my opportunities for transformation? And how can I be of service? That's an important one. I know for me, one of the ways that I've learned to move through adversity is that I study my own process with the heartfelt intention of using my learnings to help others one day. And that alone brings meaning into it for me. It makes it feel worthwhile and gives me the strength and inspiration to go forward. And there are so many studies that demonstrate the power of giving, not only for the recipient, but also for the person giving. Because physiologically speaking, when we perform acts of kindness, both people experience a flood of dopamine and serotonin in the body. Those are the bliss chemicals. So giving to others can be a powerful experience of love and healing for everyone involved. So when you're in hardship, if you can consciously become alert and present, open and receptive, and then intentionally listen to the wisdom of your soul and your source, you can uncover your own path through it. 
the hidden opportunity for your healing and awakening that adversity always, always bears. And remember here the words of Rumi, who said, There is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen. And look for the light in the darkness, the lighthouse in the storm, which of course is your inner being. Now, because this is a celebratory episode, we're going to shake things up a little bit and play some music early on in the show. This is a beautiful, tender song called Lighthouse by Patrick Watson. Take a listen. to move into the importance of completing cycles of action. My mentors, doctors Ron and Mary Holnick, taught me about this, 
And they would say that when we have a lot of unfinished business in our lives, projects we haven't completed, however small or large, conversations we've been meaning to have, intentions we've been meaning to fulfill, relationships we've been meaning to deal with in some way, when we leave things undone, it leaks our life energy. And conversely, when we complete things in a thoughtful, loving way, it strengthens our spirit and honors the preciousness of life. So I want to guide you through a little process here. And you can do it formally with a pen and paper, or if you're out walking, for instance, you can just consider it now and write it down later, which I encourage you to do. So if you're at home, take out a pen and paper, and I invite you to first connect with your inner being by breathing deeply. You can place your hand on your heart, and if you're sitting, you can even close your eyes. And then scan the landscape of your consciousness to see if there is anything you're aware of that feels incomplete. I will give you about one minute with some meditative music to just allow this to come forward now. You can write down anything that has come forward for you. Or as I said, if you're away from home, you can assign each one to a finger on your hand. This is a powerful memory tool. And then what I want you to do on your own time, whether you've written it down or not, is to either one, set your intention, make a plan to take meaningful action to complete this unfinished cycle of action, or two, consciously release it from your life if it no longer feels in alignment for you. For example, if you started a project that you no longer feel passionate about, rather than leave it looming, you can say, I am consciously releasing this because it no longer serves me. And then either way, whether you complete it or you release it, it restores your energy and raises your loving vibration. So you can feel why this is important. And it's also the reason I like to honor the beginning and ending of cycles, whether it is the seasons or this show. So that brings us to the subject of savoring and celebrating the summer season. Officially, summer has just begun, and we have two and a half months in front of us. 
So what a beautiful opportunity to consciously intend how we want to honor and experience this precious time. And I think there are two ways to look at this, the big and the small. So first of all, are there any things that you dream of doing this summer? Any trips you want to take or weekly outings, heartfelt intentions that you want to fulfill or experiences that you want to make happen? For example, I love swimming. When I was a kid, I would swim for hours and hours. You couldn't get me out of the pool or the lake or the ocean or whatever. Then in high school, I did competitive swimming. I just love the water, but I haven't been swimming much in the past couple of years, and it feels like a gap in my soul. So this summer, I have set an intention to do a day trip once a week to a different beach near me, whether it's an hour, two, three hours away, to hike the area, swim, walk the beach, just be in touch with nature and water. So what does your soul want to do this summer? Consider it, and then you can set your intentions. And I invite you to do it today. Because when we don't intend consciously, as you know, you've heard me say it before, we live our lives by default rather than on purpose. So co-create your life this summer through your heartfelt intentions. Now that's the big picture. The small picture may be even more important, and here I'm referring to the quality of awareness with which you experience all the small moments in between, because life is made up of the small moments. And if you can be present and behold the small moments as precious, your experience of life will be one of richness and fulfillment. Bring your loving awareness to the small moments. The eternal present now, as you know, is the doorway to life. So this is the perfect time for me to introduce my guests on today's show. To commemorate the season finale, I wanted to bring back a couple of your most beloved guests from the past two months. So Our interview on the very first episode was with Jess Robertson, founder of Moto Yoga International and lead singer of the bands Leela and Forrest May. She is back, so you'll hear our conversation first. And then you'll also remember Olivier Clare, international mentor on forgiveness and author of the beautiful book, The Gift of Forgiveness, A Magical Encounter with Don Miguel Ruiz. I am honored to say that he is back as well. Hi, Jess. Welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Really good. Good. Well, you were my first interview guest on the very first episode of this podcast, which was a beautiful thing. And your interview was so beloved by our guests that I'm honored you have agreed to join me for this, the final episode of season one, The Quarantine Diaries. So thank you for being here. I'm honored too. So I want to, in wrapping up season one, I wanted to start by asking you 
For you, what is the number one key to overcoming times of challenge? Mm, I think I may be biased because I do lead and teach breath work and it is such a central practice to my life, but using the breath to stay present would probably be my number one key to overcoming times of challenge. It's so easy to spiral into the past and the future. And sometimes this is useful. We need to look to our past and say, what could I learn from that? And sometimes it is a giant colossal waste of time, right? <laughs> stressing about the future and yeah. regretting or, or stressing mm-hmm. about the past. And the wonderful thing about the breath is that it's always happening in the present. So becoming aware of the breath is like a path back to the present moment. And sometimes when we're present, we might find it easier to feel, for example, grateful. Mm-hmm. We might find it easier to really see clearly what's happening And if it is a challenging thing, how we can mitigate the challenge or how we can feel what we're, what we're needing to feel because we can't let things go if we're not even allowing ourselves to know that they're happening. And I think that breath is a really incredible tool to get us into that present awareness to go to where we want to go. I love that. And could I ask you to take us through like a 30-second example of getting present through breathwork? Well, this is really wonderful timing because I just two minutes ago, maybe max three minutes, closed down our recording tool to we're doing our on-demand mindful living course so that we, yeah, we had the mindful living course and it was live, but we got a lot of requests to take it on demand so that people could do it in their own times and little chunks. And the session that I was just talking about was automatic versus control breath. And so automatic breath, you're breathing right now. Control breath is when you say, okay, I'm going to bring my own conscious, mindful control to the breath. And whenever you bring that conscious breath to reducing the number of breaths you take per minute to six, your body naturally, no matter what you're thinking about or what you're doing, you could be in the middle of having someone yell at you or having cut you off in traffic. If you breathe for six breaths a minute, your body will go into a therapeutic zone. So let's just inhale right now for one, two, three, four, five, and exhale one, two, three, four, five. Inhale one, two, three, four, five. Exhale one, two, three, four, five. And that's it. It's so easy. That's beautiful. And I was doing that as you were guiding me and and right away, I feel my energy and my body start to shift into a different state. Now, is it important if the breath is through the nose or through the mouth? Whenever you can breathe through your nose. Yes. Okay. So my next question, Jess, is from your awakened perspective, how do we <laughs> cultivate that? <laughs> and yes, yes, that you are. <laughs> from your awakened perspective, 
How do we cultivate more sustaining peace and joy in our lives? Mm. My response is the same response that my teacher of over 15 years, Baba Haridas, he was my primary teacher and his students were really the ones that brought breathwork into my life, which later led to asana. But he would often be asked questions. He was a silent monk. He took a vow of mauna or silence and in his 20s and he lived into his 90s. So he would respond on a chalkboard or a whiteboard. And when he was asked a question like this or something like, how do I reduce reactivity or something? His response that he would give, you know, in a question and answer session of two hours, he would give this response maybe 10 times. And he would say daily sadhana. So daily sadhana means every day you are doing your practice. You can define what your practice is. Maybe it's breathing. Maybe it's asana. Maybe it's swimming. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's journaling. But doing it once a week is not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. You got to do it every day. Daily sadhana. And sadhana just comes from the root sad, which means to do something in a sustained way. So it's even built into the word practice in yoga is the idea that practice is sustained. And whatever you're doing in terms of learning, like joy is learned, right? You're saying, what do we do to create more sustained joy, more sustained lives, more sustained joy and peace in our lives? bring a practice that is also sustained. So whatever that is, whatever it is that brings you to a place of connection with your inner voice and your inner teacher, try to do that thing every day. So that's when you don't feel like it. Yeah, right. So the, the consistency, the sustained aspect is key. And then what I'm hearing is that you're saying that whatever that practice is, It's bringing you to your inner self, which is the pathway to your innate peace and joy. Is that right? Absolutely. My third question is, how do you plan to savor and celebrate the summer season? Oh, the summer. (laughs) Well, I love to eat local and seasonally as much as I can. So summer is the season of local fruits. So I plan to just, you know, summer is all about eating, (laughs) (laughs) eating as much, as much local fruit as I can. Mm -hmm. And then also processing that fruit in a way that it can bring that local fruit right into the other months of the year. So drying fruit or making jams or making pies or even just freezing it to later make it into smoothies. That's a big part of summer. Spending time with family for sure. Making a conscious choice to reduce screen time mm. is, is will be a part of my summer. And I try to make that a, a part of every summer and looking at the stars. I love all of those responses. That's beautiful. And when you talk about enjoying local natural summer produce, I mean, that's what our ancestors did. They didn't have grocery stores, so they enjoyed the abundance of summer and then preserved it and and made it into foods that would be able to last through the winter. So I love that thinking to celebrate the fruits of the season, Mm -hmm. literally and figuratively, right? 
Absolutely. So cheers to peaches and apples and (laughs) grapes and conquered grapes and beautiful. And one last question that was not on my list. You mentioned that you are creating the on-demand Moto Conscious Living series, which is so exciting. Yeah, Mindful Living Course. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's great that you said that because conscious and mindful are really synonymous, right? When we're conscious, we are mindful. So it's it's a great, good job, brain. (laughs) (laughs) Got to give your brain a thumbs up when you can. Nice. Yes, it is a really wonderful course that Ted and I have enjoyed putting together. We really enjoyed teaching it. We had over 300 participants in the first one, and it went really, really well. And the feedback was great. And some of the feedback was just, oh, you know, I think I would have maybe loved to have the sessions be a little bit shorter so that I could watch them in little bits and on my own time. So for those people that were joining, for the 320 participants, I think there were per live session, there were only about 100. So only a third of people were coming live Mm -hmm. and the majority were just watching on their own time. So, so we've created in response to that, made it on demand so people can just do it whenever it's right for them. And when will this be available? Good question. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably in and around September. In and around September. So we'll be sure to announce that on this program and I will be taking that course. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I'll let our listeners know when that is, is coming live. So Jess, thank you again for being here and I wish you an extraordinary summer. Same to you. Big hugs. She is such a beautiful spirit, isn't she? Now take a listen to my conversation with Olivier Claire. Hi, Olivier. Thank you for being with me. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you again, Jen. I have to say that I was so moved by our initial conversation, and I feel I have learned so much from you, and your interview was so beloved by my listeners as well, so it's such a gift to have you back here. Well, thank you. Uh, It's a real pleasure for me to be able to, to be on your show again. Thank you. So this episode is the final episode of my show, Season One, The Quarantine Diaries. Mm -hmm. So this sort of commemorates the subject matter of the past nine episodes, which has been learning how to cope and thrive through times of difficulty. So I want to ask you, Olivier, what is your number one key to overcoming times of adversity? That's a good question. The first answer that comes to my mind is probably not the one people want to hear, but the truth is, is not the day that you are going to be running a marathon that you think, oh, I should start warming up and and running a little bit. I haven't done it in years, but maybe if I take 15 minutes before I start the marathon, this should do it. So what I'm trying to say here is that spirituality for me is like a daily training. It's something you, you prepare. You know that life is going, is going to have some times of pain, sometimes of suffering, of grief. And are you going to wait for this to happen to start building up some strength inside? Or are you preparing so that whatever happens someday, you know you're going to be okay? 
So that won't help much some of our listeners. So I have something else to say too. Is for me the the number one key. I would call it faith. Now, how should I define faith? I define it as a trusting in life. It doesn't have to be necessarily something religious. It may be trusting in God, trusting in the source, but having full trust and confidence in something that is bigger, that is greater than us. I think that's the number one key in my life. Anything I do when I talk with you on this show, when I, I drive my car, when I have to take care of my kids, I'm always making a connection with something bigger, greater than myself. And I'm asking to be guided. And the more you do this, the more there comes a point where you know you're connected, you know you're guided. And you know that even in times of trouble, in times of unemployment, in times of illness, accidents, or, or injustice, you know there is a meaning even behind the most difficult situation. You know you can make something of it. And I think that's the most important thing to know. Viktor Frankl, who was this amazing Austrian guy who was in concentration camp and created logotherapy, he said, when, you, when there's meaning in your life, you can face any adversity, any suffering, any difficulty. But if you don't, then the slightest thing will seem unbearable. So the number one key for me is that connecting to a higher source and progressively having that faith, that trust in life, which allows us, even when things are running counter to all of our expectation to say, okay, what can I make of it? I love that, Olivier. And that is so in alignment for me. That is how I have learned through my spiritual education in terms of how to behold life, to trust that life is happening for us, not to us, and to always Look for the gifts and the blessings, the learning opportunities, especially in the challenging times, because in my knowing, the gifts can be even richer at those times if you're willing to behold it that way. Yes, I was lucky to translate a couple of books by Robert Moss, not Richard Moss, Robert Moss. And one of his books is called The Three Only Things. I think it was published by Inner Traditions. And he says something which I find just so lovely. He says, every time my plans are countered because the plane is late or the plane is canceled or something happens which goes against my plans, he has programmed himself to say, wow, fantastic. Providence (laughs) is there. Uh, The source God is twisting my plans for a reason. Which reason? I don't know, but I'm just opening my eyes and ears. And if we take the habits to do that on a daily basis, every time something goes against our plans, to say to welcome it instead of saying, oh, again, and and, and start (laughs) being angry and, and upset, then this mindset, when something much bigger happens, is still there. That's so, so powerful. And it does require that constant practice. I love your suggestion that it's something you can begin to cultivate on a daily basis. I read a quote the other day by a beautiful indigenous writer called Richard Wagamese. And he said, 
something to the effect of, my entire life has been changed by a single word, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Right? Of course, yes. So my next question for you, Olivier, is from your awakened perspective, how can we foster and experience more sustaining peace and joy in our lives? Well, first of all, humbly speaking, I don't consider myself as being awakened. I'm just on the path. I keep progressing. I keep, you know, improving. Strangely enough, the answer would be almost the same as to the first question. It's it's like yeah, it's my <laughs> one and for all trick. Although I don't like the idea of using tricks in our lives, I rather like the idea of following a path. And I think if we want to experience more joy and more serenity then the image that comes to my mind is the pendulum. I've seen a pendulum in the, in the Deutsches Museum in Munich, which is one of the most fantastic museums in, in, in Europe. There's a, a very similar one in Chicago that I visited four years ago. And that pendulum is like 20 meters high. So it's wow. uh, hooked on, on the roof. There's this huge wire and then the mass that is moving very slowly back and forth. Mm. And for me, this is the image of life. And the question is, where is my consciousness? Where is my awareness? Is it in the part that is being pushed around here and there, right and back and forth? And so I'm always, you know, at the mercy of events of what's happening on the outside. Or is my awareness right at the summit, at the part that does not move at all? The pendulum perfect image of the paradox it's both totally still at the upper point and it's totally moving at the bottom point and our choice and what most spiritual traditions teach us is to progressively change where we put our consciousness and once i have my consciousness up there of course i'm being moved around because lots of things can happen to me but they're not reaching me inside in the same way. I remain aligned. I remain centered. I remain connected, even though life is pushing me back and forth. So again, that's practice and practice and practice. And if we keep doing that day in, day out, whatever happens, there comes a point where this is really becoming a part of us. There's a a saying in French, I don't know if it exists in, in English, that says habit is a second nature, meaning that if you do something and you do it again and again, it becomes natural. You don't even have to think about it. It's the first thing, first thing that you're doing. Yes. And I love that. It's like you remain anchored in your inner being so that you can move in ebb and flow with life, but your true self, you are anchored deep in your inner awareness, connected to your source. Olivier, may I ask you, how do you cultivate this in your life? What does your daily practice look like? Well, it's interesting because I've, I've written a new book that will come out in January 2022. Yes. And I'm presenting 40 verbs. The verb in a sentence is the part that signifies action. You yes. Know? There's the subjects, there's the, the complement, and the verb, I do this. So I'm presenting 40 verbs 
that are connected to everyday life. How do you wash your hands? How do you take your shower? How do you open or close a door? How do you talk? How do you look at someone? How do you touch? How do you shake hands? And I'm showing that anything we do is an opportunity for us to live a spiritual life. The spiritual life is not something outside. I have to go meditate to Tibet or the Himalayas. Now, anything I do, I can do with awareness. And not only awareness, but a loving awareness. Mm. I can be fully aware, conscious, and I can put my loving intention in anything I do. And I use a lot of prayers for that. Just one example. Instead of washing my hands and thinking, oh, I've got to take my kid to the doctor and then I have to go to this appointment. So my body is only washing the hands, but my mind and my heart are doing something else. Mm. So if I align myself, I do a prayer and I say, just as I'm washing my hands, may the source wash my whole body physically, emotionally, and mentally. Just because I'm doing that, I'm just not, I'm not only washing my hands, I'm allowing something to happen on a much greater scale. I'm letting an invisible water flow over my whole body and, and wash me. That's just one example. But when I light a candle, I can say, just as I'm lighting that candle, may the source light in me the flame of divine love, of divine wisdom, and of divine energy. And so every single gesture that we're doing from the most basic one, I mean, doing the having to clean the house or whatever can be part of our spiritual life. And the more we do that, the more comes a point where the mind, the heart, the body, the spirits are all aligned instead of all living their separate lives. Mm. So living your entire life as a prayer and everything is a meditation that can bring you closer to your source and your soul. Yes. And, you know, I have to say that when I speak to you and for the audience who's listening, we're on a Zoom call. So I'm, I'm looking in Olivier's eyes. And when I speak to you, I have the experience that you are in such alignment. You know, the quality of your awareness is so pure so that the quality of our connection feels that way as well. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. So, Olivier, I want to ask you how you plan to savor and celebrate the summer season. Well, as most of us uh, on this planet, we've been on in lockdown, we've been isolated for many, many months. And summer has started a bit earlier for me just because as a workshop leader, as someone giving lectures and so on, it's been like 18 months since I last gave a workshop, since I last gave a lecture. I'm going to be doing that for the first time in just two days. And so I'm glad to be able to work again. But otherwise, what I'm enjoying is just sitting on a terrace, reading, talking with the people, rediscovering our humanity, the joy of being together, the very simple joy of every everyday life. You know, it used to be I'm, I live about 10 minutes from a small lake. And usually the past 10 years in the morning at 8.30, I'm having a bath by, by the lake and I'm all alone, just the lake 
a few birds, nature, and I love it. And this year I have not been there at all. But I'd said to my wife just a couple of days ago, I'm still having a bath every morning, but a bath of people, a bath of social life, a bath of enjoying being with others and talking because I really feel the need to, to socialize. So I think summer is going to be an opportunity to celebrate, to meet people, to spend time with the family, to just enjoy a lot of things that we normally take for granted. We don't pay attention to, but I think for a lot of people, they've discovered how necessary to their lives were their neighbors, their family, their colleagues, and a lot of people they haven't seen for a long, long time. I love that, rediscovering our humanity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, Olivier, one last thing. You spoke about your book that will be coming out in January 2022. Can you tell our listeners what the book is called, if you know the title yet, so that they can look forward to it? It's a little too early. Um, Well, first of all, it will be in French. But what I can say is that I just had the agreement of Inner Tradition, still the same publisher. They will be publishing my second book on forgiveness next year. It's called uh, Can Everything Be Forgiven? So I'm very happy for this book to be published in English. I already have the gift of forgiveness that's been published by Finhorn Press. So that's that's really good news. And for anybody speaking uh, English, this should be available, I think, in the second semester of 2022. Okay. Well, we'll definitely invite you back on when the book comes out so we can tell our listeners all about it. Okay. I'll be glad to, to be there. Thank you for spending this time with me, Olivier. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity and thanks to uh, everybody who's listening. Take good care. You too. I love his beautiful soul and the extraordinary wisdom he shares. And I want to reinforce two of the powerful things Olivier said. Firstly, the idea of retraining our minds to welcome what life presents to us, especially when it doesn't line up with our expectations. So we can say, yes, thank you, life, for this gift, even if I don't understand it yet. And what is my opportunity for awakening here? And secondly, the idea of living our entire lives as a meditation. In fact, I invite you to heed Olivier's words of wisdom. And from this moment, to try holding every experience especially the mundane moments we may have taken for granted, as a prayer, an opportunity to bring your mind, body, and spirit into alignment through the action you're engaged in. And it makes me think, we do not have to wait until the end of our lives to recognize the preciousness of it all. And what more beautiful way to celebrate the summer season than to savor all the moments. Yes, in fact, if it feels in alignment for you, join me in setting an intention now. You can place your hand on your heart like I'm doing, and you can say, I am present, and I am living every blessed moment as a prayer. Ah, well, my friends, this is a celebration. So how about a little more music? 
This is Summertime from the musical Porgy and Bess, sung here by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. And the living is 
Love that song. So, for our meditation today, I wanted to come full circle and share with you once again the meditation I created for our very first episode. So, this is a meditation on the poetry of Rumi, set to nature music with binaural beats to help you feel soothed and relaxed. So breathe deeply and take his sacred words. your eyes, fall in love, stay there, there is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. is the bridge between you and everything.
where the light enters you. Let the silence take you to the core of your life. The only lasting beauty is the beauty of the heart.
you seek is seeking you.
Let the energy of his sacred words continue to flow into your day. And remember today to consciously set your heartfelt intentions for summer. And I'm going to be here with you to honor and celebrate it all summer long. In closing this episode, one of the ways that I celebrate and honor the experiences of my life and the completion of cycles is through gratitude. So I want to first express my deep gratitude for every one of my guests that have been on the show in season one, Olivier Claire, Jess Robertson, AJ Jacobs, Mit Hen, Dr. Serena Chen, Leanne Jacobs, Michael Kolkes, and Rain Davidson. I love, admire, and appreciate all of you for sharing yourselves and bringing so much richness to the show. And of course, I want to express my deep gratitude for you, my listeners. It is you that I create this show for, to connect with you and bring more love and light into your life to the best of my ability. I love you all, and I acknowledge you for opening your hearts and minds and going on these soul journeys with me. And we'll be embarking on a new journey beginning next week with the Midsummer Diaries. So it will be the very same focus and format that you've come to know and love, a blend of storytelling, soulful explorations, thought-provoking interviews, music, and meditation, all with a view to raising our loving consciousness, this time against the backdrop of glorious summer. So I want to hear from you. What do you want to talk about in the upcoming season? What subjects do you want me to explore? You can connect with me on Instagram at Diaries Podcast or through the website diariespodcast.com. And I invite you to follow the show and share it with someone you love if you find it meaningful. I am so excited to guide you into season two. Until then, much love. Thank you.